0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDSE.
1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble Responsible Call 1-800-858-858. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN.
2: G'day, everyone. It's Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central for SEN this afternoon. 11.70, 16.20, SENQ as well. We've got a big afternoon, of course, in store. Uh, we've got plenty of tennis news breaking and coming up across, obviously, the next couple of weeks as well. And the cricket, the Ashes continues uh, this afternoon as well. Of course, all that coverage will be on SEN as well. And we're going to spend plenty of the next couple of hours chatting all about it as well pretty much I'm, I'm here for the next two hours alongside gibbo as well by the way uh g'day gibbo hope you're going well mate <laughs> on the tools today uh, helping us out of course
3: g'day mate how are you feel nice to meet you first time we've been properly introduced
2: i know that's it it's uh yeah i can't believe they've, they've let a couple of uh you know beachy types on on the uh, on the airwaves
3: it's, yeah well i think this might be the first and last time perhaps <laughs> well... did you enjoy the crew yesterday mate
2: yeah, it was. Look, it has been an entertaining couple of days, hasn't it? Obviously, uh, you know, a fairly uh, green top. Mate, I was actually a little bit annoyed on the top of day one, to to tell you the truth, though. It just looks like there was too much for the bowlers to work with.
3: <laughs> well, the bowlers have been pretty happy this year.
2: Come on, Gibbo, sort that out, mate. Sorry, mate. Have a water Yeah, right, fair enough. Uh no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously uh, there was there's been plenty, plenty to work with uh, for for the bowlers. Um that continued yesterday as well. The Aussies had an absolute field day, so to speak. They how about this? they, they didn't even need Nathan Lyon to to bowl yeah. at all it didn't it hasn't it, it hasn't stopped him from contributing he was absolutely whacking them uh yeah, towards the, the tail end for the Aussies but uh it took a, an absolute screamer at point as well of course uh it took a wicket but yet uh it took a catch sorry but yeah it didn't didn't even have to bowl uh bowl the spinner
3: was it surprising at all that after 40 40- Two overs, they didn't go to line. I think our quicks they were going so well.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you, they didn't need to. So you know, the the proof was in the pudding.
3: I who do you think's the man of the series so far?
2: Oh uh, well, that's that was actually going to be one of my my questions for all, for all the listeners out there this afternoon as well. Text text in your thoughts on that. Who who should be the man of the Ashes series? 0457 736. 736. Uh, look, the the pick of the bowlers. I think it's hard to to split. Uh, Stark and, and Cummins. I think they've both been outstanding. Cummins, um, you know, he was kind of the the the, the lead dog uh, yesterday for the Aussies, I think. Stark's had a, a fantastic series. Nathan Lyon probably hasn't quite been his usual self, obviously got the monkey off the back with that big milestone wicket. But, um, you know, I, I thought he might be able to do more on day five in Sydney, and maybe that's what ended yeah. up costing the Aussies, not to throw him under the bus or anything. Um, and then, as far as the, the batsmen go... Uh, obviously had some, some big knocks. Uh, it, it has been, I would say, uh, you know, an even contribution reasonably, but then of course, Travis Head pops up with another big, big hundred in, in the first innings. I, I I think I'd give it to one of the bowlers before I gave it to Head, because I know he's got a bit of late momentum. What do you reckon?
3: Oh, for sure. I I think Scott Boland's had a late charge. If he can take a Mm. few more wickets today, he's putting his name up in lights for sure and he seems like such an unassuming character as well it's so good to see him do well
2: yeah well I I think uh the the main testament to uh Scott Bolland's uh, success success, or not the main one but one one of the the things that which I've sort of found interesting a, a little observation side note is how quickly we all forgot about Michael Nieser from the, from the Adelaide test, of course, because that was such a, a great story in itself. And then, you know, uh, a week or two later, um, you know, it, everyone's talking about Scott Boland and we've almost forgotten what happened in, in the early portions of the series.
3: Even Jai Richardson, who played yeah. well. I mean, we, we've just got a riches of quicks, don't we, in mm. Australia? And oh, I think England, it's, it's sort of shown that they're quicks, you know, they can't bowl very fast. I haven't been able to bowl very well. But it it showed in Hobart, when they pitch the ball up, they're going to get wickets. And it's been a tough series for England, but there's been some positives as well. And I'm sure Scotty Boland is going close to man of the series.
2: Yeah, I I think he's going to need a a big second innings because it's just hard to... um, I I still think, given that Stark and Cummins have been doing it for the full five tests, I, I think that has them ahead. But, I mean, you know... Who am I to, to get in the way of the Scott <laughs> yeah. Bolland momentum? Honestly, it's just me.
3: <laughs> he's a cold hero now. Everywhere he, he goes, the crowd loves him.
2: He, and, now he's, and now he's Australia's night watchman, apparently.
3: Yeah. you think Nathan Lyon would be angry about that?
2: I, good question. Because uh, 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 on a group chat with a couple of my mates as well, I, we were sort of saying a, a couple of them were complaining earlier on in the series that, uh, that Cummins was coming in before Stark. And then they flipped that around, obviously, for this test. Um and and now they've now they've got a new a new night watchman as well. I, I reckon yeah, I reckon Lyon would be a little bit particularly after what he he did in the in the first innings. But potentially he he ruined his reputation as a as a defence first player with all those sixes he was banging over <laughs> over you know deep square leg.
3: He looks like a nervous cricketer, Nathan Lyon. So I feel like you know he doesn't have the night watchman duties anymore. He might be a bit freer. I think. But Scotty Boland, he did well to stay in last night. There was a Mm. pretty thorough investigation from the English bowlers.
2: Yeah, he certainly did. A couple of balls uh, flew straight past the bat. Should we we relive quickly what happened uh, across day two in the, the fifth Ashes test in Hobart and, of course, the first Ashes test in Tasmania?
1: It's a line short. He smashes it. That has cleared everything massive strike over backward square from Nathan Lyon. They'll be looking for that for hours.
4: Broad just pauses at the top of his mark. Lyon down ready and waiting for him. Broad bowls. Lyon bolts. He went the big hoik across the line. Broad gets him. Broad with his third wicket. Lyon with an enterprising
1: 31. Pushed Australia beyond the 300 threshold. Cummins to Crawley is caught that short leg by Travis Head, and Travis Head, but the big alligator's going after. He took the catch; it came out momentarily, but it was never in doubt. Here's Cummins bowling to Root. Hit on the pad again. That's much closer. That's
3: gone. Up goes the finger of umpire Tucker. Root's given out leg before wicket for 34. And I don't expect he's going to send that upstairs.
1: ...from the river end, Chris Lokes is on 15 as he faces up. And he pulls the short ball, top edge, head gets around it, clears him and goes for six. Ah, Maris isn't long off, Usman at cover, there's also a deep cover or forward point on the boundary. Cummins again, you heard the sound, it crashes into the timber. He was daring him to line up the stumps and Pat Cummins needed no such invitation. He picks up his fourth wicket, and England are all out for 188. And tonight
3: was one of those. Here's Broad to the crease, to the crease again. Bowls to Warner, and Warner plays through the cordon and caught it backward points! Oh, a brilliant piece of fielding. Warner bags a pair. Stuart Broad gets his man again. Australia. Lose their first wicket without scoring a run. It's one for none. White starting his second over. Bowls get a Labashain. Down the leg side and gone! Labashain's gone for five. That's Billings' first catch in test cricket. It's a good one, too. They're never easy down the leg side.
1: New over begins. Wood charges in and a fantastic bouncer. And he's out! Has hit the glove on the way through. Kawaja. Has been caught behind a vicious rising ball from Wood, and there's high fives all around Australia are three
2: for thirty-three. Yeah, so the Aussies, as uh, as Hado just pointed out there at the end, three for th- uh, three for thirty-seven now uh, at stumps at the end of day two with a lead of one hundred and fifty-two runs. Obviously, obviously, still plenty of time left in this. Test match, So I suppose it's it's all eyes on on Steve Smith now, 17 not out uh, overnight, alongside night watchman Scott Bolland, who's uh, picked up a few runs uh, before the end of uh, yesterday's uh, play. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the Aussies will be looking probably just to, you know, to bat for the majority of the day. As I said, time not really uh, a, f- a factor. Uh, they're going to, despite what happened in Sydney, they're going to back themselves to, uh, you know, to take 10 wickets. Uh, against England regardless of their uh, their lead ultimately uh, by the end of this uh, third innings so yeah uh, as for uh, Steve Smith uh, across the ashes probably has underwhelmed I think he would be the first to admit that so far he will be undoubtedly looking for a a big score uh, today the vice captain of the team obviously how about Pat Cummins and how's he Thinking about things, uh, that's that's the question, I suppose, because it, it has been a test that's um, had its moments for England as well. So here's Pat Cummins on the uh, on the on the where things are at.
5: Yeah, I think you know bowling him out for one eighty odd was a um, you know was a really good result. Um, yeah, the pitch seemed around a little bit, um, but I, th- I thought we bowled really well um, that night session. Yeah, that, they're, they're they're the kind of night sessions you've got to be careful of in. In day-night cricket, if you get caught out with a new ball, um, I think even with it being quite warm and humid tonight, um, it always seems to do a little bit more as well. So I think, yeah, although we're three for thirty odd, I think I think it's a you know pretty good effort to to only be three down um, in really tough conditions batting out there for two or three hours. So you would assume that the batting conditions get a
2: little bit more comfortable uh, today during the day, sun beaming down uh, on Blundstone Arena for day three. Is that? pitch probably continues to, to flatten out a bit uh, as the day progresses. Uh, As I said, Steve Smith, he'll be looking uh, to go on and and make a big one. The fact that he was able to get through unscathed last night, certainly uh, leads, uh, leads him to, uh, you know, to potentially go on and and make a, a big total. What does Paddy Cummins reckon about uh, Steve Smith's chances?
5: Uh, I mean, it's not often Steve misses out twice in a test match. Um, so, oh, he just loves batting, doesn't he? Um, that was bloody tough to, conditions out there. There were some balls seeming an absolute mile. But, yeah, again, showed why he's right up there. as the best in the world. Um, yeah, he's, I'm sure he's ready to go tomorrow. Um, yeah, it hasn't scored a 100 this series, so I reckon tomorrow he'll, he'll be pretty up
2: for it. Yeah, the English, they've had their their moments, of course, across the first two days. In Hobart as well, uh, I sort of uh, I I found it a, a little bit amusing at times, uh, particularly during the opening session. That you know the the cricket analysts and and broadcasters uh, around the place on on TV and radio as well were so quick to. Uh, to pay compliments to to the English uh, team's efforts in the field and and how up and about they were and their you know their attitude and and the fact that they were all talking and chirping and it's like you know boys you're batting on one of the the friendliest bowl I mean you're bowling on one of the friendliest pitches you know probably you guys have faced in a in a long long time. How about some sustained effort? You know, let's not get let's not get too up and about too quickly. And of course, it, you know, it, it didn't take long for. Travis had to start hitting him around, Gibbo. Um, you know, are you do you know what I'm trying to say, right?
3: Absolutely. It's been sort of the story of the whole series. England have a great session. The next session, they end up losing four quick wickets. Yeah. And uh, I love the cricket, obviously, but I, I want to see a bit of competition. You know, mm. we we just been smashing these blokes, but they did they did come out last night, and it was good to see their bowlers get some reward. But even with Sam Billings, the commentators were saying, "Oh, he's energies, he's he's up and about." And it's like, mate, he should be. His first <laughs> test for England.
2: Yeah, yeah. Did he, did he notice that little uh, uh, comment he made to to Paul Rifle when he got up the other end uh, after he he uh, he scored his first test run and he no, got what did he, he say? got up the other end? And he said, "Oh, well, at least I can't uh, can't make a pair or something along those lines." But that just showed that he was enjoying the moment and and yeah. good on him. And look, I'm a bit of a, a sucker for. Uh, you know, young talents emerging and coming yeah. through. So I was, I'm with you. I want, I want to see some fierce competition as well. I think we all really enjoyed the product uh, that that the Sydney Test offered, and I was really hoping that that Pope and and Billings could go on and and post big scores, but it, obviously it wasn't to be. <laughs> no, not at all.
3: But even Milan and Root, their partnership, they were looking good. Stokes came out mm. trying to play shots like he always does, got out cheaply, but I mean, the energy from Billings was a lot different to Joss Butler. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what was happening there, but he, he didn't look up and about, and, and I feel like Rashad Pant for India. Mm. He's, I reckon, he's great because he's always chirping, he's always up and about, and the barometer of the team is the wicketkeeper. I feel sometimes, yeah. And Billings was enormous, and he made a decent score first up.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah. You've, you've made a good point there, Gibbo. And uh, look for Billings, uh, he, he'll obviously be looking to, to hold his his spot in the team, but you but you get the feeling that his sort of carefree playing with house money kind of attitude uh, was was what was required uh, in these conditions yesterday. You know, it has been a, a tough series for, for the English, but equally, you know, they've been travelling together now down under for a couple of months. So you hope that their bonds are, are stronger and, and they're enjoying each other's company. And you get the feeling that, that you have seen a little bit of that down in Hobart, which is, which is a positive, I suppose. But um, as we've been saying, they just need to, you know, do it for longer. Um, if they want to compete with with the Aussies. Uh, Keep sending in those texts, by the way, 0457 736 736. If you've got a a choice for your player of the Ashes series so far, Stark, Cummins, Boland. Travis Head, labuschagne they're sort of the ones in the mix from my perspective. Would love to hear everyone, uh, all the listeners' thoughts out there. We'll take a break in a second, but just very quickly, a couple of headlines which which we'll have to uh, circle back to at stages throughout the day. India captain Virat Kohli, he's sensationally stepped down as uh, as captain. Um, after a somewhat bumpy seven-year stint uh, in the top job, uh, plenty of controversy around obviously what happened in Cape Town over there and their lost series to South Africa. Um, plenty of tennis news, which we're going to touch on with uh, with Brett Phillips coming up later in Sports Central as well. So we'll dig into some of those uh, headlines across uh, tennis as well. Uh, and there's playoff uh, NFL happening as well over in the states right now. The Cincinnati Beng- Bengals get this, Gibbo. They've just ended the longest playoff drought. In uh, it, it, active uh, drought in the NFL right now, thirty-one years since they last won a playoff game, dating back to nineteen ninety-one.
3: Are they any chance at making it to the big dance?
2: Yeah, I, the. I mean, I think I think so. They've they've got this young uh, quarterback, second-year player Joe Burrow, who is he's got so much pizzazz about him. Um, they've got some they've got a a, a complete smorgasbord of uh, offensive weapons at their disposal as well. Um, And, and they'll, they'll sort of have this kind of English uh, fifth test attitude, you know, from, from here on anything they achieve is, is a bonus. Uh, They're ahead of schedule in terms of their rebuild. And uh, yeah, that, that, I reckon they can cause some damage. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago, Patrick Mahomes' team. So they've beaten the, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in, in the, the first NFL playoff game uh, across the, the super Wild Card weekend. And uh, Buffalo and New England have just kicked off at Orchard Park uh, in Buffalo. So we'll be keeping an eye on that, but we will have to take our first break on Sports Central. It's Phil Pryor with you. Uh, we'll be back in a flash.
1: You're listening to Sports Central
2: on SEN. Yeah, Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central this afternoon. Uh, hello to all of our uh, listeners out there. We've been opening up the show so far, chatting some cricket, all the Ashes action coming out of Hobart, uh, and to help us continue to do that, uh, we've got none other than... Uh, Tassie uh, lad Alex Dool and uh, Alex uh, of the uh, the South Hobart and Sandy Bay cricket clubs, I believe. We'll give them a shout out. How are you, mate?
6: I'm all, Phil. How are you?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. good, thanks. You must be uh, absolutely pumped to see Ashes cricket down in Tassie.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm not alone either. The, the state has been buzzing since we got the news that the test was going to be coming to Hobart. And I think Hobart and uh, Cricket Tasmania have put on a great show.
2: Yeah, for sure, and I know the uh, the sen coverage has been all over it as well. But I was watching uh, some of the the action on on Fox yesterday afternoon, and they a couple of those shots that panned out to the the crowd down there at, at Blundstone. They look like they are having an absolute ball down there.
6: Yeah, yeah, and the weather's been great too. So uh, other than a little bit of rain on day one, but I mean the crowds really turned up. I think we've had around ten thousand each time, and. The, the the vibe and the atmosphere at the ground's been absolutely sensational. So, and the crickets matched it. Yeah, they've
2: they've short uh, they've had no shortage of uh, of highlights ac- across the opening two days. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, uh, you know a, a ton of wickets. Um, also, a ton. Uh, well done to Travis Head. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, if you don't mind me asking, Alex, on the on the pitch uh, that was presented at the the top of day one down there.
6: Yeah, there were a few questions after the first uh, <laughs> half an hour and three for 12. But Look, I think it turned out to be a, a pretty good cricket wicket. It's it's shown that um, if you're able to be positive and, and put the pressure back on the bowler, you're able to score, such as Travis Head and Cameron Green. Um, but if you're prepared to, to do the discipline thing with the ball and, and hang in there, then you, you see the, the complete opposite result with Australia's bowling compared to the English batting. So... At the moment, it's, it's a pretty good cricket wicket, I think. Um, the game's probably a little bit far advanced than where we'd like it to be. With mm. Australia three down, their second innings going into day three, but um, that, that's probably got as much to do with the under lights conditions as much as the cricket wicket.
2: How do you see the pitch playing out today? Uh, as uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm a assi- Can you also fill us in with the the weather conditions currently down there in in Tassie? But do you think? Uh, it could sort of settle down and and flatten out a little bit today before it um, you know considers uh deteriorating,
6: yeah, I'd expect so. I mean just judging on the shield cricket wickets that we've had over the last couple of years, that's been typically the case that it's been challenging to bat on for day one, but as the games progressed that the wickets got progressively flatter and easier to bat on, and um, typically harder to bowl teams out on days three and four. I think that what's been the real change has been it's been really humid here for the last for the first two days, um, which is not the case today. It's a nice day, but the humidity is not there, and just the the change in conditions when it goes under lights is the, the real big thing in in pinball cricket. And the tactic that a lot of teams use is they want to bat first and bat in the daytime so that they can dictate when the opposition takes the field. Mm. Uh, and the the hard thing is that from session to session with the with the Um, artificial light takes toll the game really changes
2: yeah yeah there's no doubt about that i mean it it looks like uh particularly yesterday it it looks like incredibly tough batting conditions uh the the aussies you know i I think it's it's fair to say uh comfortably ahead so far but it can change quickly again uh how do you have you liked what you've seen from Steve Smith at the crease so far? Because I think, you know, the anticipation heading into day three is, is hopefully he can go on and post a big one.
6: Yeah. And I think there was a a real intent shown by Steve in the second innings when he came out to bat, you could see that it was the, um, the typical Steve Smith with his little fidgets and his you know, over accentuated leaves. And he looked right into the contest in in his second innings. So, Um, That's probably worrying signs for England, I would say, especially considering he's going to get a good chunk of time to bat in the daylight today. Um, And, yeah, I just think that whoever conquers that uh, twilight session, Australia did it on day one with the bat. They were able to negate England's bowling and, and really put the pressure on Travis Head and Cameron Green in what is the hardest time to bat, whereas the English weren't able to do that yesterday when Australia were bowling to them in that mm. period, they lost three or four wickets really quickly, and that changed the game when it looked as though um, there was a good partnership being put together again by Root and Milan. So they're the really key moments. I think there'll be you know the start of the day here will be be good to bat for Australia, but just going into that twilight time when the light that artificial light starts to take over. That's when it's really tricky to bat, and that's where Australia are going to have to be really good.
2: Yeah, I, I love one of one of your earlier observations there. It's it's a bit of an oxymoron, but Steve Smith, geez, he looks really on. You know, based on how he's leaving the ball, <laughs> you know, the the kind of yeah. energy that he that he's leaving the ball with, that you know that that's that's the ominous warning for uh, for for the English English bowlers.
6: Yeah, I think it is, and <laughs> and we probably haven't seen him at his absolute peak in this series. He's averaged around about thirty, I think, for the for the series. And Marnus has probably been the one who's been the overly fidgety one. But um, mm. yeah, when Steve came out to bat yesterday, the the game was on the line. There, we'd lost a couple of quick wickets, and we were two for ten again, I think it was. And Steve came out, and he was he was fidgety. He he looked really sharp. He was. Um, getting back at the bowler, uh, and uh, I, I agree. I think it's just worrying, science for England, when you see Steve Smith in that that frame of mind.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I think today, I mean, my sort of uh, read on things is is that there's uh, Australia's just going out to bat, right? There's no, obviously, in, in in Sydney, it kind of the the match got to a point where uh, Cummins had to consider um, declaring, and and you know, obviously, we can debate. Um, forever, you know, whether or not he he left it too late in Sydney. There's no real issue there, you know, given that we've still got three days available uh, down in Hobart. Is that the the mindset of the Aussies today? Are they not even talking about other things apart from, let's let's just go out and bat and try and bury the English?
6: Yeah, I'd say so, because the way the game's poised at the moment, the game's right on the line. I mean, Australia's lead was good, but it wasn't amazing. I think probably left a few runs... Out there in the first innings, I, I thought that they, um, after day one, getting through day one and being six down for around 250, I think they would have been hopeful of another 100 runs. So they've probably left 50 out there, 50 shy. But um, And then the way England have fought back with the ball as well, probably uh, really led by Mark Wood's aggressive nature of bowling, has, has seen them get back in this game. So... From Australia's point of view, we're still three days to play. I mean, they are just looking to bat and bat really well in this day day session, knowing that as the that artificial light starts to take over, that's when it gets really challenging and um, things can happen, as we've seen on both days.
2: Yeah, which of the English bowlers do you think uh, is, is going to be the main threat today? Because I, I suppose as this pitch settles down a little bit, um, it could be harder for for Robinson to make an impact if he's going to, you know, continue to bowl in the, in the mid to high 120s. Uh, Stuart Broad was probably the pick of the bowlers across uh, England's first innings in the field. But is it Mark Wood p- potentially as, as the, the lead dog, um, you know, offering a little bit more as far as the pace is concerned?
6: Yeah, well, he's that point of difference for England, isn't he? I mean, the rest of the guys are all a similar speed at the moment. I mean, Ollie Robinson, he's he's seen to have a little bit of a back injury and that really hamstrung England in that first innings because he he started so well. But, um, yeah, I think Mark Wood and his fire and his aggression and um, the way he was able to bounce back in the, the first innings on day two hmm. and really start to swing the momentum back in England's way uh, a little bit, um, he'll be the point of difference. But for Australia, it's about how long can Mark Wood do that for? It takes a lot of energy to bowl. Uh, with that aggressive style and that short for a long time and can how long can Mark Wood do that can they just Mm. keep him at bay for a little bit we saw quite a few wickets falling to that short ball the hook and and pull do they take it on again or do they just decide well we're gonna let Mark Wood tire himself out trying to bowl short at us knowing that there's three days left and there's not another bowler in the English lineup that can do what what Wood can do
2: yeah yeah uh, exactly hey uh look at this I I haven't had this confirmed as as fact or anything, but a a, a mate on the on one of the, on a on a text yesterday sent through that apparently Robinson was out playing golf two days ago with uh, two days before the test with a bad back. Have you heard that? And is that a little bit is that a, is that a little bit cheeky given his uh you know current physical condition?
6: <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Um, very interesting to hear. <laughs> uh, I would say that if uh Joe Root was aware of that and the English the English uh, powers that be and Robinson did have a bad back going into this test and he was out playing golf. I, I would say that um they'd be absolutely <laughs> ropeable about that, considering that he broke down in the first session and yeah. like I said, it really left hand um England hamstrung. I mean Joe Root had to bowl quite a few overs himself so that he could take the pressure off his quicks. so um yeah i ha- i haven't heard that, and if he has he might be in for a bit of an earful from the
2: captain once he yeah, finds out yeah they might, yeah he he might get punished and made to bowl a, a, a few overs of uh of spin just to make his figures look a little bit uh a, a little bit worse or something along <laughs> those lines uh, <laughs> yeah, look possibly. uh one of the questions i've been putting out to uh to the listeners uh, across the SEN stations um across uh, for sports central this afternoon is uh your pick for player of the series so far. Of course, that can obviously change across the next uh, couple of days uh, of play. Uh, who would your pick be so far?
6: I think it's pretty hard to go past uh, the skipper, Paddy Cummins, mm. at this stage, although Scott Boland is... oh, well, He's been just exceptional in his uh, three test matches now. And um, I think probably... I would give the nod just to Paddy at this point in time, just with that little bit of unease and that turmoil that was going into this Ashes series. For him to stand up as Australia's premier bowler and and skipper and and lead the way he has, I think he's been absolutely sensational. But I think also, too, in a a bowling-friendly series, I think Travis Head's name has to be up there uh, in that conversation. Um, he's the leading run scorer in the series now. He scored two magnificent centuries. And, and this one in Hobart on day one, that that's as good as you get. Yeah. I mean, bowling conditions were so friendly for England. They'd started well, though. He came in, the score was three for 12. And to score nearly a, a runnable 100, which was almost faultless, um, was just exceptional. And I think those sorts of moments and those sorts of innings should have his name up there. Um, in the conversation as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, interesting thoughts there. I, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think it's probably hard to go past uh, Cummins, but he, you've made a, a very good case for, for Travis Head as well. Alex Doolan, thank you so much for uh, for jumping on today, and I hope you you enjoy the afternoon down in uh, down in Hobart for day three.
6: Thanks, Phil. It's been great chatting.
2: Alex Doolan there, and it's Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central. We'll take another quick break now and be back with plenty more and chat some tennis coming up.
1: You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Phil Pryor
2: with you this afternoon on Sports Central. Keep sending in your texts 0457 736 736. The Buffalo Bills are off to a flyer in this uh, NFL playoffs game against uh, New England. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on in the program. But it's time to talk some uh, tennis. There's obviously been some action uh, right across the weekend. And there's going to be plenty more over the next uh, couple of weeks as well, of course. So to do that, and thanks to uh, Yonex, uh, who on January 15 launched their new E-Zone 7th gen tennis racket crafted for power. Head to Yonex.com. We've got Brett Phillips uh, jumping on to chat all things tennis. How are you, mate? Brett Phillips on the line. Are you there, mate?
7: I am Phil. Nice to uh, nice to chat to you.
2: Uh, that's okay. Yeah, it, it's great to have you on, and and uh, a bit of a a cock effort of your own there. You know, a shaky early, but flying home, mate.
7: <laughs> no, we're coming to uh, live from um, our little commentary box here, which is uh, superb. Just watching uh, the great Rafael Nadal uh, practice in front of me here, and yeah, it's a it's a magnificent setting that we've got. Uh, ready for the Australian Open uh, tomorrow. So the sun's shining in mm. Melbourne, and yeah, there's a bit going on. I mean, it's nice mm. down here today because it's uh, really the calm feel before the storm. Uh, <laughs> you know, player players players just sort of fine tuning while, of course, not too far away in the heart of the CBD, we're awaiting obviously the verdict on uh, Novak Djokovic.
2: Yeah, I have actually worked uh, worked at an Australian Open my, myself, and I, I know exactly the feeling at Melbourne Park on the weekend before. All the action kicks off. You've got all the all the staff uh, entering the facility, going and picking up their, you know, their uniforms and all that jazz before next week. And it, and it really is a, the calm, you know, still plenty of uh, media personnel uh, in the facility, uh, you know, already representing. But, um, you know, the, the storm, uh, as far as calms and storms go, Tanasi Kokonakis, he's given us a, an absolute Highlight down under so far. Can you speak to that before we get into uh, the Australian Open? Um, you know, he's his finally breaking through for a maiden ATP title, uh, you know, yeah. obviously on his home deck. Just an outstanding effort from him.
7: Well, first of all, it's just, you know, great to see him uh, fit and healthy. And that's that has mm-hmm. been the issue for a long time. He's been through a hell of a lot, um, you know, been through some pretty... Pretty low time. So just being stuck in rehab, coming back, uh, another injury, um, you know, goes against him, long, lengthy spells off the tour because we've always thought, Phil, or in my mind, I've always thought that he has had the most talent. Um, And I know Kyrgios has often been branded with that, but I've always had uh, Kokanakis ahead of Kyrgios in terms of um, the talent he brings. And we saw him get to, you know, just inside the top 70 when he was fit. He beat Roger Federer at Miami, and I've got no doubt if he can have the next two to three years and have a really solid run at it, um, and hopefully those injuries are behind him. And physically, he certainly looks in in good shape, and if they manage that well, I I speak of his team, then I've got no doubt he can, you know, surpass Demonor and uh, Alexi Popran and Thompson and Millman and Duckworth as our our number one Mm -hmm. Australian. I mean, just the weapons he brings from a serve, um, you know, ground perspective... Uh, the way he covers the court, but his power, particularly that forehand, which um, you don't want to be, uh, you know, chasing that on the run. It's not going to be coming back with a lot of interest. So, look, he's given himself a great platform. I mean, to win in Adelaide is really special. We Mm. saw it with, you know, a young Leighton Hewitt all those years ago winning in Adelaide, and there is something about winning a home event because players don't spend a lot of time at home in professional tennis. So, yeah, hopefully he'll get here later today, do some media Later on this afternoon, you'll have uh, tomorrow uh, clear, I think, and then we're still waiting for the uh, day one schedule. Can you believe uh, we're sitting (laughs) here uh, Sunday at nearly one o'clock and we haven't got the schedule for tomorrow, but that's the extraordinary times that we're in. Uh, But hopefully, yeah, for Nasi, I'm sure we'll probably play Tuesday and be ready to go to have a really big crack at the Australian
2: Open. Yeah, well, they they probably want to know whether or not they've got the uh, the, the men's world number one <laughs> before they you know finalise things. But we'll leave that there for a second because I'm yeah, I, I think Coconnacus uh, is all of the tennis stories heading into the, this Australian Open have been undersold because of what's been going on uh, you know on the immigration doorstep, but. Um, just very quickly before we move on, Brett, uh, and forgive me because I I don't know exactly how the draw shapes up for him, but what are you expecting from Tenasi heading in? And, And I suppose the fact that he's played so many three setters will be a factor as well heading in.
7: Well, we're going to go one match at a time because he, is, if he if he does get through that first round, he's going to play the guy that I'm looking at the window here, and that's Rafael Nadal in the second round. So and that's not okay. an easy uh, assignment. I mean, Rafa's got to get through his first round match, but you, know, you, you feel like um, he should be able to account for, uh, Marcus, you're on the uh, Young American. But, mm. you know, the way Phanasi's playing and the fact that Rafa hasn't played a lot of tennis in the last six months. Yes, he won the uh, Melbourne event here. He built into that uh, tournament quite nicely. Uh, there's still, you know, just a, a little question mark on on Rafa in terms of his durability for the whole tournament. Maybe a, a rampaging Kokanakis second round, which would be, you know, under light, you'd imagine a marquee matchup if we get to that, would be uh, a huge test. Uh, From the Dale. So, yeah, we hope at least we get that matchup.
2: Yeah, indeed. Now, we've only got a couple more minutes, so I'll I'll give you a more general question. Which uh, Aussie male do you think uh, can progress the furthest across the next two weeks?
7: Well, I I suppose you've got to look at, you know, Alex, and uh, he played some good matches at the ATP Cup. Uh, He's got Mussetti, the young Italian first round, who hasn't necessarily fired last year a very good 2020, just tailed off a little bit in 2021. But he's, um, he's a good player. Look, you know, Demon Orr, you know, certainly I think on a hard court here uh, with the the way he plays, certainly, you know, has earned the right to, you know, certainly I think make um, the best impression of the Australians. I'd love to see James Duckworth, you know, step through two or three rounds. Look, there's some winnable matches for our men. But that's the question mark. You know, can mm. any of them really make a charge? And I can't necessarily see it. Um, they're going to be competitive. Um, yeah, you know, Ashbarty obviously a clear favourite on the women's side. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think Alex deserves uh, to have uh, a couple of good rounds. Maybe you know, we can get through to round three. But yeah, beyond that, uh, gee, the competition's pretty tough.
2: Yeah, indeed. And I wish we had more time to to dig in in more detail on the women's <laughs> side. But uh, of of course, Ashbarty Ash is the uh, the key attraction, I suppose, for, for all tennis fans uh, around the country. Uh, how have you uh, seen her preparation heading in? Of, of course, success last week and then, you know, a little bit of time off uh, to prepare. Uh, it's Is it now or never for Ash? Do you, do you get that feeling? No,
7: I think there'll be plenty of opportunities, uh, Phil, and I don't, I don't think she's at all overawed about any expectation this Mm. is is just the great part about the body temperament is that you know she'll she'll go out there and give it her absolute all, she's pretty confident about her game, she knows her game stacks up she's uh, world number one for a reason but you've still got to get out and actually execute uh, on the day itself and everyone's looking ahead to possibly Osaka but I think Osaka's got a bit of work to do to get to the fourth round hasn't played a lot of tennis last year so um, we'll see if that matchup eventuates, but yeah, hopefully Ash quarter final, semi-final, one step further to at least make the final of the Australian Open. Um, gee, she looks pretty surey right to me. It's the perfect uh, preparation, I think.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed, and I, and I totally agree with you. She just seems to have the uh, you know the the mental fortitude to to deal with the the added pressure that. So we see so many Australian uh, tennis players, uh, you know, overawed by heading into the Australian Open. But look, Brett, we, we must uh, leave it there. Once again, a, a big thanks to Yonex, uh, who on Jan 15 launched their new E-Zone 7th Gen tennis racket crafted for power. Head to yonex.com for that one. Uh, Brett, thanks very much for joining us
7: pleasure phil and of course first serve a uh, special edition uh, right around the country on scn from 9am here in the bunker tomorrow morning a three-hour special so we'll uh, set the scene for day one
2: that's exactly right brett phillips there chatting tennis uh... Can't wait for the next couple of weeks, of course, uh, and uh, and of, of course, echoing what uh, Brett said there. As far as the SEN programming is concerned, quick break on Sports Central. It's Phil Pryor with you. We'll be back to uh, uh, bring you another big hour, of course, as well, and uh, and all the lead up to that, and we'll run through everything else going on in the world of sport.
1: You're listening to Sports Central on SEN.
2: Yeah, Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central. A big uh, thank you to all our listeners, particularly those that are texting through on the line 0457 736 736. We've got a big uh, second hour coming up as well. We're going to be talking some football uh, and uh, a bit bit of everything, of course, as well, which I'll be uh, readdressing throughout proceedings as well. The NFL playoffs. Uh, they are happening right now. Well done to the the Cincinnati Bengals who ended the longest active playoff drought uh, by just beating uh, the Las Vegas Raiders 31 years without a playoff win before second year quarterback uh, Joe Burrow uh, ended up uh, ending that drought or helping the Bengals end that drought. So big news are happening and we've got Buffalo taking on New England right now. Of course, those damn Patriots that have won all those Super Bowls, of course. And now they've got this uh, this rookie QB, Mac Jones, who looks like the business as well. But so far it's Buffalo in Buffalo 14-0 over the Pats. So that's certainly interesting. But one of the questions we've been on uh, throughout the first hour is who deserves player of the series in the ashes? Uh, now someone's texted in uh, Pat Cummins for sure. Uh, and uh, thank you to, to Jason who t- from uh, Marool Bank, Uh, who also texted in uh, asking where I've come from. A bit all over the place, to be honest, Jason. Uh, But uh, SEN now, I'm I'm enjoying my time there uh, so far. And, yeah, thank you to everyone that has texted in. Uh, Yeah, if you've got a a tip for player of the the series so far, uh, please uh, let us know what you think about that. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you for the second hour. We'll chat some football off the top. It's Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central.
1: You're listening to Sports Central
2: on SEN. Yeah, Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central. Welcome back. Keep those texts coming in 0457 736 736. Let us know who you think deserves a player of the series across the Ashes. Of course, it hasn't quite ended yet, but. So far, who would you have in front? We've got a a couple of uh, people on the text line uh, getting behind Pat Cummins' case for player of the series. Uh, We will turn our attention to football for the next uh, seg, though, uh, and, and dive through that. We've got... Adam Kwasnick on the line to chat through everything that's taken place. We've got a league to chat about as well as uh, plenty of uh, action going on over uh, across in England as well. Uh, as far as the a league is concerned, there were two games on Saturday, Adelaide and Melbourne city played out uh, a two all draw and then Sydney and Brisbane one all Adam, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, how did you see yesterday's uh, a league action on a general note? Right.
0: Yeah, good afternoon, Phil. I thought, uh, you know, both games were were fairly entertaining and uh, in particular, the the Adelaide-Melbourne City game, uh, you know, that that had it all. Um, Obviously, both teams, uh, you know, finishing up a draw, but uh, I assume coming out of that game, both managers, you know, wouldn't be too happy uh, defensively with their teams, uh, but some of the attack and some of the build-up play uh, for both teams was sensational to watch, and I thought... You know, it was a fair result uh, in the end for those two teams. As for the other game, uh, Brisbane v Sydney, I thought, you know, Brisbane were really, really good value. They've had a really tough start. And I think Warren Moon, with the squad that he's got, he did remarkably well, in particular defensively, to get a point out of that game. Sydney, for me, they just seemed to stutter in their attack. I mean, they had more possession. uh, They had more chances as well, but they just weren't as purposeful as we know them to be. Uh, it was a lovely goal that uh, Anthony Casera scored off Elvis Camsoba. Uh But, you know, Brisbane, to their credit, for the majority of that game, you know, kept Sydney quiet. Um, and it's back to the drawing board for Steve Corica and his team.
2: Yeah, it's been a, obviously a, a fairly interrupted uh, season, the last stretch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with everything going on. But, uh, you know, uh, Melbourne City, how do you think they're going... Um, you know, in general, uh, you know, as as the the defending champs, they they sit in fourth on the ladder now, uh, they, and they started yeah. slowly as well. Where are they at?
0: Yeah, look, I think the, the the big challenge for Melbourne City, as we all know, they're they're the champions, and when you're the champions, you've got a massive target on your back, um, and 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 not to mention the recruiting. I mean, you know, they've got a star started lineup, in particular, their front three. Uh, Matt Lecky, Andrew Naboo, and 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 Jamie McLaren. That 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 for me is is a remarkable attacking front third, and mm. um, they haven't been stuttering. I think where they're struggling at the moment is defensively and having that target on their back. Uh, it's something that that Paddy Cosnorbos needs to address. I think they're going along quite nicely. Like seven games in, ten points. they they're going along okay. Mm. The two games against Adelaide that they've just had. Uh, they should have picked up maximum points in both those games, and it wasn't to be off the back of their defensive display.
2: And what about uh, Sydney FC? Obviously, you know, year on year, one of the the heavyweights. Um, they're they're sitting down in sixth position on the ladder. Where are they at?
0: Yeah, Sydney. For me, it's it's been a bit, you know. Hot and cold for me. Uh, Steve Corica. you know, he, he's got the squad to to really do some damage in this league, but they just haven't quite fired. You could put COVID down as a reason for that. Uh, look, they're still in a good position, seven games in, nine points. Uh, just a little bit lacking in that in that attacking third for me. There's so much experience. A, a big plus for me is the performance of Patrick uh, Yazbek, a young boy that's come in. That's allowed, basically, Anthony Caceres to play further up the park. And I think that's key for Sydney moving forward. Real creative creative uh, player, Anthony Caseras. Uh, he scored the goal yesterday. But that allows him to get further up the park in sort of like a number 10 role. Um, and 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 hopefully off the back of that, you know, you've got the likes of Ninkovic, Lafondra, Bobo. They can feed off his service. service and uh, hopefully moving forward to for Sydney fans, they can create and score plenty more goals uh, you know, for the for the rest of this season. But it's still very early doors. I mentioned, you know, 16 games postponed in five weeks. There's still a hell of a lot of football to be played. We won't really know where all these teams are at until we're at least halfway through this season.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's Adam koznick with us uh, on Sports Central, by the way. Adam, uh, just to, so scheduling-wise, Adelaide and the Wanderers are, are locked in for, for this Wednesday. But beyond that, it's just kind of a... A whole heap of TBDs. Do you have any kind of uh, intel with uh, the fixturing and and uh, you know the season really getting back into full flight again?
0: No, well, I mentioned those sixteen games postponed. I, mm. I guess the the, the leagues uh, they they have to make the decision whether uh, they 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 get those games up and going throughout the week. Um, but they've got to be careful as well. We've seen a large amount of players within each of, or all of the squads that have, have got COVID. And I, I listened to a, a, an article from Andrew Clark and the effects that COVID can have on players. I guess the biggest one that comes to mind is uh, uh, Grant for, for Sydney. He, he received COVID. He, he's not been his normal self for the yeah. last four, six weeks. Um, and that's a little bit concerning. So if you're going to play those fixtures uh, in the middle of the week, And with the games on the weekend, you've got to really make sure that the players are up for it um, and and they're ready to put on a good spectacle. Um, And obviously the health as well of those players is is very, very important. So they've got something to think about. I've heard a rumour that you can... They've got it up their sleeve that they can go from 26 rounds to 22 rounds and yeah. scrap those four rounds. Mm. Um, but I'm assuming they're, they, they're wanting to play these games as long as it's in the best interest of, of the clubs and, and the players and obviously the fans as well.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, very interesting. And, and uh, it, it will be a, a thing to keep track of going forward across all the, the major sporting codes here in Australia. I ran into a, an AFLW player this morning who's who had COVID over over Christmas and and she didn't feel like her normal self uh, in round one uh, of the, the competition last week as well. So that's going to be a, a problem for plenty of footballers, of course, going forward in, in the A-League. Now, uh, jumping overseas, there was a, a number of games overnight. We'll start with the big one, 1v2 on the ladder, Manchester City up against Chelsea. And I, I suppose there was a chance for the blues to help everyone and and just try and rein in uh, the sky blues, but it wasn't to be with city uh, winning that game one nil. What did you make of that?
0: Oh, look, uh, you know, two fantastic teams. And as you mentioned, though, everyone was uh, hoping, (laughs) even me, Arsenal fan, hoping that Chelsea got something out of that game. But, you know, uh, Manchester city for me, they just continued their dominance. Uh, You look at the statistics, uh, you know, it was, Pure dom- dominance right across the board and a wonderful Kevin De Bruyne goal um, midway through the second half sealed it. And that's 12 wins, 12 league wins in a row for, for Manchester City now. And, you know, I can't see them slipping up from here on in. I think mm. the teams behind them, they're just playing for Champions League spots and we know how lucrative that can be if you, if you make the Champions League. I think that's what those teams behind them are playing for now. I think Manchester City... Very hard to see them slipping up and and losing the league from here. But it's theirs to lose. Um, I can't see it happening, but, you know, football throws up anything these days. We'll just have to wait and see. But I think the title's Manchester City's.
2: Yeah, very interesting there, Adam. Uh, there, there were four other games overnight. I'll, I'll make sure we we cover off all the results at a bare minimum. But was there any? Was there a highlight, or um, you know, something uh, that sort of gripped your interest particularly from any of those games? Oh, look,
0: being the being the transfer window open in January, it was fantastic to see uh, Phil Coutinho uh, with his new team. He's come from Barcelona. He's signed for Aston Villa. And he's come off the bench, and he's got him a point in the end, up against Manchester United, who, you know, Ralph Ragnick, he's got his work cut out for him. Manchester United, so much quality in their squad, and there's rumours that players don't want to be in the squad, and they're just stuttering at the moment. But Bruno Fernandez, um, he got him out of jail. He had him in the lead, two nil lead, and they blew it in the end. And I think it was just fantastic, for Aston Villa fans. Um, you know, for Philly continue to come off the bench and, and score a crucial goal to get his team a, a well-earned uh, point.
2: Yeah, Newcastle United, they drew one all with Watford as well. Uh, Wolves, they got the job done over Southampton 3-1. And then uh, the, the multi-wrecker uh, for me and, and probably many others out there, Everton going down to Norwich City 2-1.
0: Oh, incredible, Russell. <laughs> he's got a massive target on his back now. He needs to get Everton out of this slump. Obviously Norwich, great for Norwich, great for Newcastle United, who unfortunately they conceded at the very end, the 88th minute, against Watford. Uh, but, you know, they're picking up points, these teams, at the bottom end of the table. It's going to make it very, very interesting moving forward. 19 games, in, or sorry, 21 games into the season. A lot of teams have games to, to make up as well. And it's so tight at that relegation battle. Uh, can't wait for it to all unfold.
2: A couple of uh, games coming up uh, later tonight. uh, 1am Australian Eastern Daylight Time uh, for the the Nocturnals out there. West Ham up against Leeds United and uh, Liverpool taking on Brentford. Uh, That should be an interesting game.
0: I think so. I think, you know, Brentford, they started the season so brightly. Unfortunately, it just hasn't continued. Uh, Liverpool, obviously a red hot team, but... You know, those champions, they'd say otherwise, they'd still want to win the league, but I just can't see Man City, uh, you know, slowing down. I think they're the team to beat. And Liverpool, they just need to worry about themselves and and, and continue winning. And and hopefully Man City can um, slip up, but uh, a very tough ask from here on
3: in.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, Adam, thank you uh, so much for uh, for for jumping on Sports Central with us and uh, and chatting through the the football. And yeah, we look forward to all the action that's uh, that's coming up as well. And hopefully, the uh, the A League can get a, a clear run at it soon enough.
0: Thanks, Steele. Thanks for having me.
2: There you go, Adam Koznick uh, on Sports Central with us. Uh, just running through some of the top sporting headlines. Of course, we're we're still hoping to find out uh, something as far as uh, the Novak Djokovic a court hearing is concerned um the the federal government of you know they've obviously made this case uh, their uh, their business over the last number of days and uh it's you know it's it's been absolutely exhausting gibbo's with us by the way uh, on the tools mate uh, i've been trying to avoid avoid it so far on the show but uh it looks like it's probably going to come to a head shortly in in court i'm not sure if we're still going to be on on the air by the time there, there's a result but
3: uh, it looks like court has been adjourned to one thirty. Okay. So it things are going to be dragging out all afternoon. <laughs> but th- this scenario, th- the timeline is unbelievable. But I, I was thinking, if Novak does play, the crowd's going to be insane. <laughs> like, c- did you see the Serbians marching in the street with the pepper spray after mm. he, he got the appeal overturned? And think that, of all the yeah. people watching around the world. Well,
2: well, they're kind of proving the... The, uh, the 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 federal government's point right you know that the whole uh thing is that they've uh you know it's a high profile unvaccinated individual putting civil order at risk that's yeah. what that's what the the feds are trying to argue in court right now and and if uh, the serbian tennis fans are out there you know causing a ruckus in in the streets then um you know they're, they're not helping their man
3: for sure i mean surely he's just got to be over with this <laughs> this is dragged out for what yeah. weeks now?
2: Oh, I'm I'm completely and utterly exhausted by it.
3: <laughs> yeah. But how do you think? Um. How do you think Djokovic would go if he was to play though? He, he I think he was uh, equal favorite, paying two dollars thirty.
2: That's that's the the interesting <laughs> thing because I I think generally I've I've been thinking if he can you know build some momentum through the earlier rounds he's going to be fine, but equally when you when you think about how all of the one percenters that he puts into his game, you know, don't get vaccinated in case it causes some kind of, you know, unrest internally in, in my body. And, you know, I, 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 I care about the molecular structure of the H2O that I'm, that I'm, you know, drinking and, you know, all of the one percenters that he's got in place to get the best out of himself. Well, sleep is an important thing for any kind of athlete and, he can't have had much of it across the last seven days.
3: Absolutely not. I mean, you must be pretty pumped though for the Aussie Open to get underway.
2: Oh, big time, big I time. Mean, Chatting to, to Brett Phillips before, it just got me fired up for, particularly for, for Ash Barty. I I know I, I maybe I poorly worded a, a question, you know, you know, is it now or never for Ash? That's of course not the case. She's going to have plenty of, plenty more cracks at it, but it doesn't get, you're not better positioned to have a run at it when you are number one in the world. Um, You know, Given that she, she she there is a collision course there with Naomi Osaka in the the fourth round. That's a little bit unfortunate because yeah. you, you don't expect to to come up against the the two time Australian Open champ or a defending champ that early on in in the piece. But that's just how the you know the cards have been dealt. But she's she's on top of a game right now. You know she's coming off a, a Grand Slam win last year. She's coming off a tighter win last week. Um, I don't think she she will get a better run at it because there is no guarantees going forward.
3: Naomi Osaka, she's come back. She was out a little bit, wasn't she?
2: Yeah, she's she's had some some time off uh, across the twenty twenty one season for for various personal reasons. Um, but so far, it looks, and even though her you know form sort of that there are question marks there, history is on her side. She loves playing down in Melbourne, and we know how that's gone for Novak. So you know, I think I think the history almost overrides the the recent form with someone of the quality of Naomi Osaka.
3: Absolutely. And we can't wait for that to get underway. BP will be on 9 till 12 tomorrow, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, for a first serve special on the verge of the Australian Open.
2: Okay, SEN listeners, make sure you tune into that. Keep sending in your texts, by the way, 0457 736 736. If you're interested... uh, you know, specifically checking out any of the Aussies across the first round. Send through who who uh, who you're looking forward to seeing the most. Just a quick update, the Buffalo Bills in the first half of their NFL playoffs game hosting the New England Patriots are up 20 points to nil. Take that, New England. Uh, so We're keeping a close eye on that one. Uh, and we might have a little bit of a... Uh, we might dig into that uh, in some more detail uh, coming up on Sports Central. We will take a quick break now. Uh, keep sending in those texts 0457 736, 736 As mentioned, it's Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central. We'll be back very, very soon.
1: You're listening to Sports Central on SCN.
2: Yeah, it's Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central across 1170, 1620 and also SENQ. Hello to all our listeners out there. Now, just recapping some of the the top sporting headlines uh, that are happening this morning. India captain Virat Kohli has sensationally stepped down as captain after a, a somewhat uh, bumpy seven-year stint uh, on top of the, the job as far as the, the test team is concerned. That's, f- of course, following the seven-wicket loss uh, to South Africa in Cape Town and uh, the 2-1 series loss as well. Uh, so that's uh, certainly something that we'll dig into with uh, Fox Sports' uh, Jacob uh in about 10 or 15 minutes' time. Uh, tennis-wise, of course... Tanasi Kokonakis is the big story, winning his uh, maiden ATP title on home soil, if you don't mind, uh, at the Adelaide International. The second iteration last night, uh, defeating Arthur uh, Rendenech uh, of France in three sets, 6-7, 7-6, 6-3. Well done to Tanasi, the, uh, the 25-year-old who's obviously been ravaged for the best part of five years uh, with injuries. So that was uh, huge news for Australian Tennis fans, Andy Murray, he's missed his uh, first title in three years. He was beaten by Russian uh, uh, Aslan Karatsev, 6-3, 6-3, in Sydney at the Tennis Classic final. Uh, Paula Bedosa won the women's title, beating Barbara uh, Krejcikova. So well done to her. Plenty of uh, good form heading into next week's Australian Open, of course. And uh as far as the NFL is concerned, uh, a big result uh, this morning over there in the in the opening NFL playoffs game. The Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals have ended the longest playoff drought of 31 years uh dating back to 1991. They took care of the Las uh, Vegas Raiders. Uh so well done to them. Gibbo's with us on the tools. Uh, for Sports Central as well. Hey mate.
3: Hey mate. I asked you earlier on, but can the Bengals go all the way? Uh, are they are they sort of a team for... who could play in the Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, that's uh it, It's an interesting proposition because I don't think earlier on in this, or at various stages throughout the season, I don't. I don't think anyone would have tipped them to to go all the way. They've probably having won a playoff game, th- and this is uh, Joe Burrow, their quarterback. This is just his second year. He's coming off a, a major knee injury in his debut season last year as well. It didn't look like the Bengals would be a team that had the, you know, the the capabilities of of making a, a deep run, but they ended up defying odds and claiming the AFC North, uh, yep. you know, beating the likes of Pittsburgh and Baltimore um, to get there. Cleveland as well. All of those teams were, were playoff hopefuls and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago. That's Patrick Mahomes' team. Yep. Um, and... They're they're probably the, the team tips to to exit the AFC and get into the Super Bowl for their third straight Super Bowl. Even though it's the the Tennessee Titans who are the, the one seed on the, the AFC conference side of things. The Bengals have the form and they've they've got the players. at Jamar Chase, that was their first round pick in uh from from the draft earlier on this year. And he's got this uh, telepathic connection with Joe Burrow, the quarterback. They they both came out of that LSU team that that won the national championship a couple of years ago. So, and he's got, he's just got so much swagger about him, yeah. Joe Burrow. So, yeah. It, look, obviously, still plenty of action to to unfold um, on the AFC side of the draw, but I think they can.
5: Yeah.
3: How, excuse my ignorance, but Tampa Bay <laughs> Buccaneers. Yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. How are they placed?
2: In the finals. Oh, look, they're going to be tough to beat because they've got Tom Brady and Tom Brady's won six Super Bowls and been there nine times. It's just absurd. And of course, he did it for the first time uh, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in his first season with them last season. Uh, And they're going to be in the thick of it again. This year, they actually host a playoff game for the first time through the NFC conference. The interesting thing was when they went through the playoffs last year, they won three road games in a row to get to the Super Bowl, which was, of course, just happened to be at their home ground, yeah. Raymond James Stadium. So that was an anomaly. That was a, the first time a team has won the Super Bowl on their home deck, but that was just a fluke. They, yeah. they didn't earn the right to play at home in that game, but they do get a home uh, start this uh, this time around. They've got the Philadelphia Eagles uh, tomorrow. So that's that game, by the way, is the 5 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time game um, and uh, you would think that they're going to be too strong for a, a, an Eagles team, which has been plucky but has holes.
3: Absolutely, mate. And the, buff, the Buffalo Bills and the Pats are on at the moment?
2: Yeah, that's that's right. They're, so they're in action right now. I believe it's uh, approaching halftime in that one. We're, we're too busy broadcasting to, to stay right on top of that one, but it was 20 points to nil uh, momentarily a, a, a short time ago. And um, look, yeah, Buffalo, they're, so they're hosting the Pats at home. Josh Allen he's still on that rookie deal. I think he's in his fourth year now as the, as the quarterback of the, the bills. And and he certainly took a major turn as, as far as his career is concerned last season. And the bills are one of the major players in the AFC side of things as well. They should make a deep run as well. I, I think they're probably, they're probably a better chance than the Titans of, uh, of knocking out Kansas city before the super bowl. And, uh, as as far as New England is concerned, they're, they're, they're down big in this game in Buffalo right now. They've got a rookie quarterback. Obviously, no more Tom Brady yep. in New England. It's Mac Jones. Mac Jones is their man now. And somehow the rest of the NFL let uh, Mac Jones slip to 15th overall and for the Pats to, to pick him. He was obviously the Alabama quarterback that was successful in the national championship last year. And he looks really proficient as an NFL starter, he's dipped off a little bit in the last kind of month, but uh, he doesn't have, you know, that many weapons to, to throw to that. They're, they're more of a run first team, this new England team. And that's, that's not going to be helpful. So there's, just more than two minutes before they uh, will head into the halftime sheds. And it's the Bills with the ball again. So 20 points to nil down. New England, they're in some some deep strife. And as I mentioned, they they love to run the ball and play defense. They can't do that when they're down 20. So they're going to have to turn to Mac Jones in this second half. And it could be trouble for the Pats.
3: And we've got plenty of games tomorrow as well, as you mentioned at the top. Uh, which ones are you looking forward to? Is there a standout yeah. game there, mate?
2: Look, there's three games uh, coming up on on Australia's Monday, the 5am game, as I mentioned, Philly, they're heading off to, to Tampa Bay and you would think that Tom Brady and the Bucks, even without some of their key uh, receivers who are injured right now, you'd think that the Bucks will be too strong. Can they make a deep run? That's the question. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to question Tom Brady and, and what he does when it comes to the postseason, but they don't have as many weapons as they did last year. They, they're a little bit more banged up. At 8.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, it's the 49ers at Dallas. That's, for mine, that's the the pick of the bunch this week as far as the games are concerned. All the experts and analysts are, are saying that's their, the game that they're looking forward to the most. Uh, Dallas have been really strong this year, the Cowboys. Dak Pres- Prescott's their quarterback. Um, he's got plenty of uh, of great receivers, but it's the Dallas defense, which is been caught co- creating even more headlines led by Micah Parsons, their phenomenal rookie linebacker. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they they cause turnovers. Trevon Diggs, he's had more interceptions than any other player uh, across this season. So can the 49ers create an, enough players against this Dallas defense? That's going to be the, the big question. Uh, there's another game as well, that the Sunday night game or the, the Monday lunchtime game uh, down under is uh, Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Uh, twelve fifteen Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and you, you would think that that will be Ben Roethlisberger's last game in the NFL before he heads to retirement. He just doesn't have it anymore. You, you know, he's he's a bit beyond uh, the the game of uh, American football is just a, a bit beyond Big Ben now.
3: <laughs> Mate, you must be in absolute heaven at the moment. <laughs> you got the te- we got the tennis coming up, NFL massive weekend, but how ha- how are they placed COVID wise?
2: Yeah, well, that's it's it's an ongoing problem in in America, but it it seemed as though it might have peaked about three four weeks ago. In in as far as the NFL is concerned, I was waking up and, and checking the phone every morning, and you know there'd be fifty new tweets from the the newsbreakers about who's got COVID, uh, you know who's uh, in the protocols right now. It looks as though most teams have had you know m- have dealt with it for the for the most part. Yeah. Um, not all the key players have picked it up though, reportedly. Right. So off the top of my head, I don't think Tom Brady's had it yet. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has had it yet. Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers quarterback has had it. Yeah. So he's in the clear. Cause you don't have to test, I believe for three months after you get it. So it does, anyone that, that's picked it up across the last month or two, won't have to test again, right through to the end of the, the Super Bowl if they make a, a deep charge. So most, I would say, more than half of the players across the league have had it now, but it's still it's still looming.
3: You mentioned Aaron Rodgers there. There's been a bit of chat about MVP race and whether or not he is he eligible. Or yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He's only missed the one game okay. uh, due to COVID, and there are no restrictions about yep. that. It's it's not like the you know the the Brownlow where yeah. if if you are suspended for a game you're not eligible. Uh, he is eligible. He's the favourite yep. to win it, and uh, he's been. Ridiculous this season. He's the 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 reigning MVP. Uh, obviously, the Packers made a deep charge to the to the NFC Championship game last year, where they were beaten by the Buccaneers, and he's been almost as good as last season. But there's been no one else to really take the mantle off him uh, this season. Joe Burrow, who I mentioned earlier, he's sort of one of the 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 long not not a long shot, but he's in the mix. Tom Brady's the other one as well, but. Aaron Rodgers, he's only thrown four intercepts this season, wow. two in week one, and since then he's just been lights out for this Packers team. He missed one game. They lost against Kansas City. He's only lost twice this season. The Packers, they're the, um, the toast of the NFC. They've got the bye this week, and then they'll host uh, uh, the lowest-ranked winner next week at Lambeau Field, and I would be very shocked if Aaron Rodgers doesn't win MVP and their coach, Matt LaFleur, doesn't win coach of the year as well.
3: How we placed Aussie-wise, have we got any
1: Aussies in yes. the playoffs?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sipos, the the kicker for the Philadelphia Eagles, he'll be in action tomorrow up against Tampa Bay. But Jordan Mylida, the yep. left tackle for the Eagles, he's the big one. He's the one that, um, that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, he's... He outplayed throughout the, pre- the the preseason a first round uh, tackle to, to secure that job. And he has been absolutely phenomenal in arguably the best offensive line in the league. So look for Jordan Mailata protecting Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Buccaneers elite pass rush tomorrow morning. Uh, look, yeah, plenty of NFL action, as I said, uh, still unfolding here. We'll keep you updated with that. Uh, Bills-Pats game. We better take a quick break though on on Sports Central. Uh, It's Phil Pryor with you. We'll be back to talk some more cricket just after the break. We've got Fox Cricket's uh, Jacob Polychronus. So don't go anywhere.
1: You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Phil Pryor with you on Sports
2: Central. Uh, G'day to all our listeners out there. Thank you to Mark from Prairiewood who texted in, did you hear all, all of Coley and Ashwin speaking into Stump Mike? Virat was definitely referring to Sandpaper Gate when he said something like, don't just try and catch the opposition out, or words to that effect. Yeah, well, uh, the breaking story there is, of course, uh, India captain Virat Coley has stepped down as captain, uh, seven years in the top job uh, uh, leading the test team that make that and Gibbo. That's two, uh, Gibbo. By the way, with us, that's two uh, captains that have stepped down across a, a three-game series over the, over in South Africa. That's wild.
3: Oh, Newlands has taken another victim. It looks like, but yeah, it was a surprising decision. I thought. I mean, he seems like a spiritual leader for that side. But yeah, they. They they had their chance in South Africa. Their first, it would have been their mm-hmm. first ever Test series yeah. win over in South Africa. But yeah, I've got a bit of the audio if you want to hear it from that stump line.
2: Yeah, Coley, uh, 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 obviously uh, w- having a, a crack at the broadcaster as well. Take a listen.
3: Making the sport
2: look bad. Eh? Making the sport look bad now. Focus on your team as well while they shine the ball. Eh? Not
6: just the opposition trying to catch people all the time.
1: Whole country playing against eleven guys. You know about them boys.
3: Camera team as well. 11, boys.
2: Wild accusations there from the uh the Indian players. You would assume that there's gonna be more fallout ahead uh as well. Uh we've got a uh, foxsports.com.au's Jacob Polychronus on as well. Polly, how are you, mate?
4: Yeah, good thanks, Phil. Good to speak with you again.
2: I'm assuming you, you could you tuned in and, and heard all that as well. Um wow. I mean I, I I'm I'm speechless in terms of just how crazy uh, that series ended over the last few days. Uh and obviously there's already been uh, ramifications in India.
4: Well things turned ugly quite quickly, didn't they? And mm. uh it's I, I think just the, the, the gravity of the situation, um, you know, it really sort of hits home when it's making this big news in the middle of an Ashes series, even <laughs> over here. Oh. Um, and and you're right in in terms of, um, you know, things have started moving pretty quickly after that with Vera, Vera Coley, as you mentioned, stepping down from the test captaincy, having uh, in recent months done the same with um, the T20 and, and the one-day roles. And it's I suppose it's sort of it's sad that it's kind of unraveled to this effect. I think what we were listening to before, you know, represented some some pretty ugly scenes um, and things we don't really want to see in our game. What he's um, referring to is some pretty bombshell claims there. I'm sure none yeah. of us can sort of really um, shed any any sort of light on there. But I just think when you've got someone who thinks that they can kind of um, make the sort of claims in the middle of a test match and, and well from most reports so has sort of got away with it in terms of a uh, official sanctions from the ICC. is quite remarkable, but you yeah. know, I just personally, I thought it was a pretty ugly look and something that we don't really want to see in our game.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there are so many angles to, to hit this at, but just quickly uh, that pitch, um, because I know a lot of people have, have been saying, well, yeah, he shouldn't have made those accusations, but that DRS de- decision was, uh, was was pretty crazy. It did look as though it, um, you know, it hit him uh, underneath the the knee roller, and it was surprising that that ball from Ashwin was in fact going to be going over the stumps. Uh, you know, giving Dean Elgar, uh, the South African skipper, new South African skipper, another chance. But I mean, I watched I watched most of that day five uh, action, and the pitch was crazy. The ball was bouncing a, a, a ton. What were your thoughts?
4: Oh, I mean, I think you're actually pretty bang on it mean, in terms of the actual review itself. I, I was probably pretty surprised to see that going over, mind you. I have seen a few questionable ones, not just in in South Africa, but they do tend to spring up from time to time. Um, I, I can actually remember one sort of earlier in this series. I think it might have been Nathan Lines abroad. I want to say maybe in Adelaide and it sort of hit him on the shin and, <laughs> and Hawkeye so that it was sailing miles over the bales, which was a bit bizarre. So they do happen. Mm. Um, personally, I didn't, as I've sort of been in national I didn't see enough of the test myself to know if that was a, a real pattern that was sort of starting to emerge uh, on that day. But you, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think these things do happen. You sort of have to wear them on the chin when they do because You'd like to think at at some point it has worked in your favour, whether whether it has before or will in the future.
2: Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, it is technology, so even if it's not one hundred percent accurate, it's it's more accurate than the bloke standing behind the stumps still. So I suppose there's that aspect to it. Were you surprised that uh, Coley did step down? Uh, you know, following on from this, obviously it's a it's a controversial situation, um, but I mean, I, I didn't see this coming
4: i I guess I did like the timing of it did surprise me um but I think it has kind of been been trending in this sort of direction for Veracola for some time, and we we all know the century drought that he's going through now um I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it's really starting across all formats becoming quite large he's still. Yeah, you know, his T20 numbers have still been fantastic, and obviously don't make a century in that format too often. But mm. his Test numbers, I think, he's been averaging less than Mitchell Stark over the past couple of years. <laughs> um, and, and you know, uh, Ravi Shastri out, out of the coaching position now as well, who we, who we sort of had forged such that such a strong bond with, where those two were really uh, they were really everything for, for Indian cricket there for a while, and so I think. The support and perhaps like the public perception around Virat Kohli is still massively popular and still has, has a lot of fans. But I think there was a little bit of a groundswell sort of starting to form in India, particularly after the Australia um, series here where, where Jinka Rahane led the team for uh, mm-hmm. three of those four tests and, and, and did so admirably. So I think you know people sort of started to see that you know Virat Kohli isn't the be-all and end-all of this team. And yes, obviously, he still has position within it. But in terms of uh, his pure leadership credentials, um, he wasn't everything and he wasn't bigger than the team. And so I think perhaps the South Africa series, that's where it sort of really started to hit home. And he he was starting to take some of the headlines for the wrong reasons, of course. And Mm. so maybe we shouldn't be as surprised that did sort of bring his, uh, his resignation forward a little bit.
2: Yeah. And just a moment to reflect, he took over uh, the the captaincy in 2014, India were ranked uh, seventh in the world at that point. He obviously took them to number one in the world. He's 33 years old now and, and still averages uh, a fraction over 50 with the bat. D- uh, do you see him sticking around in this team uh, now, just potentially with a little bit less pressure now that he's given up the, the captaincy position? How do you see it playing forward from here for Coley? I
4: mean, uh, as a player, I think he still has... So much to give, uh, he should really still be pretty close to to his prime years as a, as a certainly as a Test batsman anyway, um, and so I don't I don't think we see him go away from this team anytime soon. But it will be interesting to see how it plays out because he's just such a larger than life sort of figure, and it can be a little bit difficult to have people who are such. Uh, Influential people who are not in the official leadership uh, positions, so mm. I think that's going to be something for the uh, for India to to manage. Um, I think it will be tough, and I think it's going to take sort of a lot of uh, well, just a lot of maturity on Kohli's end to to ensure that he does take properly take a backward step, um, and and things don't sort of start getting confused. But I, I mean, I, I think it probably is too premature to start saying that it's time for him to. To uh, move aside completely, um, just yeah. because he, you know, perhaps one of the perhaps the greatest multi-format batsman of all time we're talking about here. So I think, yeah, I think he still has plenty to give.
2: Of course, uh, honestly, I, I not just in cricket. I can't remember the last time in a, a sporting series we've seen both captains walk away. Uh, you know, normally it's one off the back of a you know a, a heavy defeat or a, a shocking uh, effort or something like that. But for both captains to walk away uh, following a series that's that it's been, it's surely it's been a long time since that's happened.
4: Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a a time myself. Um, I I think all we can sort of start to put it down to is just the, the times we're in at this point. Uh, and I just think the last two years, especially for cricketers who go on long tours and, and have done many within bubbles and, and things like that. I just think it has really put things into perspective. Um, for cricketers across the globe. And so, you know, particularly India, they've been quite busy. I can't so much speak uh, for South Africa. But, yeah, I just think it's, you know, whether or not we'd see that outside of the pandemic, um, maybe not. But, yeah, it has been tough for the cricketers. And so I'm not too surprised to see it happen now.
2: Oh, Polly, I I was about to to cut you off there and say, mate, you can't blame COVID for this, surely. But you've actually done a a pretty good job of of explaining (laughs) that. Uh, That makes sense. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're in Adelaide. Uh, lad, aren't you?
4: That's right, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: So you must be up and about. It, you know, Kokonakis uh, wins a title, yeah. Travis Head, hundreds. Even the Adelaide Strikers won a big bash game this week.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's. I mean, for the Strikers, it's sort of coming good at the wrong end now. Um. Oh, well, I mean, the right end, if we didn't leave the run so late, I suppose. But yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, Kokonakis is a big win, and, and, and Travis Head. I mean, I've been one of... Travis Head's biggest supporters for, for years and yes, per, perhaps a little bit of hometowner hometown, <laughs> favoritism comes into that, but I just think he's been uh, amazing. But, you know, Just watching him that I think has been, you, you know, there, there are some talk about him sort of reinventing himself, but I don't really think that's the case. I think Tra- Travis has always sort of been this kind of dashing left hander who can, can provide that counter punch, and I actually think he's, Maybe went a little bit into his shell, particularly during that 2019 Ashes series. And and what I think he's doing now, I think he's just really leaning into his strengths. And and you know what he's delivering now for Australia, I think, is fantastic. You've got a number five there You can do the role for well, several years to come.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I, I've only I've got one final question for you, Polly. Uh, but it, it it sort of links to what what you were saying there. I mean, yeah, some of these uh, Aussies uh, down in Hobart they know that they're, they're eventually going to get out to a good ball with the, you know, the, the ball just seaming off, off that green top in all sort, kinds of directions. So may as well just play your shots on, on the way out. You know, Head's done a, a good job of that. What is, so the question is, what are you expecting uh, day three down in Hobart? Steve Smith, obviously, at the crease right now, has a real good chance on a, on a flattening wicket to go big today. What are you expecting from the Aussies uh, on day three?
4: Yeah, I think we'll probably see them go on the, uh, I mean, it kind of depends how much it has flattened down. Like you said, I I kind of thought, and I think many thought, it might have done quicker. The amount it was doing deep, deep into England's innings, and then, of course, during the night session was was crazy. It was mm. just a, it's turning into a bit of a mind to it out there. So it's not easy. I think Barnes and, and Travis hitting that first inning sort of really set the template about how you kind of have to get after it, otherwise it's going to get you, um, as you alluded to, too. So I don't necessarily... I don't think we all of a sudden see a, a full-blown test match break out today. I think I think after... Obviously, there's plenty of time for these batsmen to try and get themselves in again. Um, but I reckon we see pretty similar from Travis Head. Once Scott Boland eventually departs, I think he's probably going to get after it. And Steve Smith, there's, I think there's just like a little bit of an edge about him in this game. I think, you know, he's missed out so far this series. Um, and, and to be honest, hasn't had too many chances to go big. Um, and, and this does tend to be when he thrives. Um, obviously, he didn't in the first innings this time around, but mm. coming come to the crease early, and, and oh, that, was, that was such a tough 10 overs or so for him to bat out last night, and, and he got the job done, so I think he's going to be walking tall heading into today. And I think, yeah, I think he's just sort of got a bit of a score to settle, so I reckon we see Smith and Head take this game away from, from England fairly quickly. And mm. from there, I think it's, you know, Anything over two fifty is going to be pretty tough for England to chase, but yeah, get out of out of of control from there.
2: Fingers crossed, Steve Smith can go big today. A big thank you to uh, Jacob Polychronus for jumping on. It's Sports Central with Phil Pryor. We'll be back in a sec.
1: You're listening to Sports Central
2: on SCN. Yeah, Phil Pryor with you on Sports Central. Thank you to everyone that's been uh, tuning in. Just quickly, some some. Maybe some basketball news. Kevin Durant, he's a left uh, his game uh, he, with a left knee sprain. One of the MVP favorites, so that's something we're going to have to keep a track of there. That would be huge news if if it's if the knee injury is more serious. Just quickly, you can catch all the NBL action on ESPN and KO. Of course, the Bullets they had a big win over the Southeast Melbourne yesterday, 100 to. 84, um, and there's another game which uh, happening right now. It's halftime. Illawarra up against Melbourne United, and the Hawks are behind by five. So Melbourne United are up 47 points to 42. It's the Sydney Kings and the New Zealand Breakers uh, later on. So make sure you catch all the NBL action on ESPN and uh, KO. Of course, I've absolutely been loving the season. Uh, big thank you to Gibbo for helping us out on uh, Sports Central today as well uh nfl playoffs they're continuing as well the bills are up 27 points to three over new england let's get those patriots out of the playoffs please (laughs) quickly gibbo big thank you to you uh yeah it's been phil pry with you for the last couple of hours once again a big thank you to all our listeners and of course the ashes it's coming up on sen Uh, so stay tuned for all of that that's a wrap it's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected
0: Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Tyre Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.
6: When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli.
7: So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. ba da ba Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.